I want to talk to you about the cross today. How important is the cross? Matthew 27, 26 through 43. It says, Then he released Barabbas to them, uh, Barabbas to them, but when he had scourged Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole detachment of soldiers before him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they wove a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a staff in his right hand. They knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him, and they took the staff, and they hit him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own garment on him and led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. This man they compelled to bear his cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. When they crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among themselves, and my clothes they cast lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. They put his accusation over his head, which reads, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two thieves were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. Those who passed by insulted him, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. If he is king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask for your blessing on this word and your anointing. We thank you for your people. We pray that you bless every family represented here. We thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross. We thank you so much for giving your life for us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the cross of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about when Jesus first stepped on the scene and started talking to his disciples. It's interesting that we know it and we quote it. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and do what? Take up his cross. Now to us, because we understand the cross and we understand what was going on, that makes a lot of sense. But you got to understand, these guys, he looks at them and it's like he would say today, hey, if you love me, I need you to take up your electric chair and you need to follow me. Some of y'all would be like, what kind of religion are we doing? He wanted to make sure that his disciples and us today fully understand the power of the cross and what the cross meant to us as believers. I'm telling you, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. There's a song we sing called The Mighty Cross of Jesus Christ. It's the reason I'm alive. If he didn't go to the cross, there would be no freedom from sin. There would be no victory. But he had to be brutally murdered on the cross. Listen, now in that text that we're talking about, there's an interesting dynamic that happens. 
Jesus can no longer carry the cross. If you study it, the cross weighed over 150 pounds, the part that he was holding. And his body had already been beaten and he was so sore and deprived. Think about the love that he had for us. And there was a man named Simon, the Serene. If you don't know anything about that, that means he was from Libya. He had traveled all the way to Jerusalem from Libya to celebrate the Passover. Little did he know that one day that he was actually, he thought he was going to just take part in a Seder meal. And he actually got to bear the cross of the Lamb of God. The ultimate Passover. And he's there and he has to carry the cross. And Mark says that he carried the cross after Jesus. And I thought, everything God did in the crucifixion, we talked about this Good Friday night. In Exodus, when we had the Passover, God said, do not break the legs or bone of the Lamb of God. Don't break any lamb. And then all of a sudden you read 3,000 years later, when the crucifixion happens, they didn't break a bone in his body. Everything God set up was perfectly planned out and timed. So when this guy begins to carry the cross... It's letting us know something. That yes, Jesus went to the cross for us. But there is a cross for all of us to follow after. And we have to deny ourselves just like he denied himself. There's a cross that we have to carry every day of this. When we deny what we want for what he wants. Right? Amen. I, I want us to look at this. At the end of these scriptures... You might not have ever caught this. And, and listen, I'm not trying to mess with your Sunday school theology. But there's a lot of songs that they're like, Jesus died and Satan was having a party. And Jesus died and Satan was all excited. And hell was all excited. Listen, Satan knew the word of God. That sounds good. That's not biblical. Look, look at verse 39, 27, 39 through 43. Those who passed by insulted him wagging their heads, saying, you who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Listen to me. The devil was clearly in those people. They were religious and you knew it. This whole passage was telling something. They knew that once he died on the cross, the power of God would be now to us. They understood fully. They were the, the devil wasn't partying on that day. He was enticing him to come down off the cross because he knew once the cross was in place, he knew that it would be the power of God in all of our lives. How many of you have experienced the cross today? You're like, I'm not real sure. That means you got saved. That means that your old man died and perished, and now you are alive and resurrected with Jesus Christ. The cross is powerful. The cross, listen, that's what was really going on. Satan was trying his best to get Jesus to not die on the cross so that we could not have the power. There would be no sacrifice for our sins, and we would still be under the law. And I don't know about you, but I couldn't kill that many goats to keep myself straight a lot of goats a lot of mess ups traffic in Birmingham you'd be killing a lot of goats a lot of mess ups look at Matthew 16 21 through 27 it says from that time on Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes And be killed. And he even told him he'd be raised on the third day. 
Then Peter took him and began rebuking him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, who? Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things that are of God, but the things that are of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, look at this, if anyone will come after me, let him to d- deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. I just want to show you that hell was all against Jesus going to the cross. He shows you right there. He says, I've got to die. You can put that down. I've got to go and I've got to die. And Peter says, no, you can't die. And Jesus is like, you, Satan, get, has Satan ever used you before? I think about poor Peter sometimes. He gets a bad rap. Jesus rebuked him and said, you don't understand. It's about the cross. I've got to go to the cross. So I don't want you to think that Satan and the devil was having a big party on Friday night when Jesus was crucified. He was trembling because the prophecy was being fulfilled. And we were now, he was going to take back the keys of hell, death, and the grave. And now we have eternal life through him. And the power was transitioned. Amen. So... So I just wanted to show you that. Look, I want you to look at a couple more scriptures with me. 1 Corinthians 1, 17 and 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For to those who are perishing, the preaching of the cross is foolish. Now listen, if you're in here today and you're like, this sermon is absolutely making no sense to me. The preaching of the cross is foolishness to you. You don't understand. You're going, I, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that Jesus died. And I understand there's a cross. But what does it really have to do with me in 2019? But it says, but those who are saved, it's the power of God. Because if, you, if you've ever been saved, really saved, you fully understood when you gave Jesus your life, the cross of Christ became alive to you. It became the power to conquer sin. You all of a sudden were no longer bound by sin anymore. But when that cross came in, your flesh man was put to death. And now the Spirit of God made you alive with Jesus Christ. And everything we are is because of the cross of Christ. Yes. Amen. Look at Galatians six fourteen and 15. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. I'm worried that in the church, if we're not careful, we've forgotten about the cross, that we boast in our talents and we boast in our abilities and we boast in our finances and we boast in everything that we have and boast in everything that we possess and our abilities. And we forgot that without Jesus and without that cross in our life, we are nothing. Everything we do, we should boast in the cross. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he did. I'm scared that if we lose the fact of what he did, we're going to make church about everything but him. It's so easy to do. Listen, there's all these statistics going around today showing how you got to get people in church. I'll tell you how you get people in church. You let them 
personal, one-on-one, people that have been have the victory, share their faith, the power of the gospel, how Jesus can take your life of sin and bondage and slavery and he can give you freedom and he can set you free because he did go to the cross for our sins. And when you share that with people and they really get that Jesus is alive and he can live in their life, you don't have to beg them to do anything. They become servants of him and followers of him and they give their life because they understand Understand, to gain your life is to lose it, but to lose your life is to gain it. They understand. The cross is still in effect today. It's not an Easter thing. I'm telling you all. I wanted so bad today to preach about Peter after he's cussed and messed up what, what the resurrection was really about, but it really is about the cross. you got to see Peter... Thinking about him, he's standing there and he's just cussed. And now you just read that Jesus had already been beaten. And one of the passages says, Jesus stopped and he turned and looked at him after he cussed him and denied him the third time. He turned and looked at him. You got to think about the blood that was shed. His eyes were swollen and he was beaten. And it says he went out and he wept bitterly. And I thought, man, that's where a lot of people are today. They are in shambles and their life is not making any sense and they feel like there's no hope. But because of the cross, Jesus showed up at the shore. John 21 is my favorite chapter. If you've gone to church here anytime, you know that. Because I see something that the cross did for Peter. It's a new beginning. Amen? He, think about how many people are sitting in churches today that have been raised in church, that, know, that have known the Lord and that feel like they've messed up and they're hiding in shame. They asked Peter, where are you going? He said, I'm going back to fishing. Guess what he caught? The same thing he caught the first time he met Jesus. Nothing. Go read it. Peter's fishing. He catches nothing. This guy shows up and says, hey, launch out in the deep and throw out your nets. And he's like, now, Lord, I don't know if you understand this, but I own the fishing company. It's me and my brothers. We fished all night. I got it figured out better than you've got it figured out. Anybody in here today kind of got that mindset? Lord, I got it figured out. Sounds like me last night. Lord, I, I got, I've been preaching for 20 years. I got it figured out. And it says, he, just because he was Jesus, instead of throwing the nets with an S, he decided just to throw one net. And it was so much that it almost sunk him. And it broke. And he fell down and said, I'm unworthy. And that, it's just like salvation. He, got, he was like, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Follow me. So then you find him on the night of the crucifixion. And he's, he's cursing and saying he doesn't know him. And he's broken. And he thinks, I've lost my whole calling. I've lost everything. If you're sitting here today and you feel like that God, you've messed up to a point where God can't get you. You know God's talking to you. You might have attended every service. But in your heart, you've just kind of said, God can't use me anymore. God doesn't have a plan for me anymore. Maybe when I was younger. Maybe back in the day. This is what the cross does. It's new beginnings. So Jesus shows up on the shore. I love it. He says, hey, guys, I know you went back to your old loft. You got any food? Uh, we haven't caught anything. Sounds like the first encounter. He was like, oh, just throw your nets on the right side. 
And all of a sudden, they catch so many fish, it numbers them. It's really cool, John 21. They caught 353 fish. Now, that's a good day. I don't know about you, but when I go fishing, if I can hook usually one pretty good-sized bass, it's a good day. If I hook 353 good bass, that's an amazing day. My Instagram would be blowing up for the next three months. Just number them every day. Number one, number two, number three. And John, who calls himself the one that Jesus loved, says, that's Jesus. Peter doesn't even wait. He jumps and puts his vest on and he swims to him. And listen, when he gets there, it's my favorite part of the story. There's already fish cooking. Breakfast is already prepared. Everything he needed, everything he was looking for was already there. Some of you are looking for things in this world and you've looked everywhere you can look. I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, everything you need has been made and is there. He's the fulfillment of it all. And he says, hey, by the way, Peter, I had a question for you. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Get back to work. Love the sheep. Peter, I got another question for you. Do you really love me? Lord, I love you. I love you, Lord. I feel like there's people here today that you've kind of stopped and you feel like you failed him. And he's asking you, hey, but in your heart, do you love me? And you're like, yes, I love you. And he said, get back to work. And the third time he says, do you love me, Peter? And he gets mad. He's like, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And then he says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Get back to work. Love on them. Get back to the ministry I've called you. This is what the cross is about. You haven't done anything too far to outreach the love of God and restore the calling on your life. And then he says exactly what he said to him at the beginning. Now, follow me. My way, Peter, my way. You don't think that Peter, I read like five or six chapters over, maybe nine chapters over. Peter's sitting now in a prison. He's chained up to Roman soldiers. And all of a sudden he gets a shove. And an angel says, run. And he looks and his chains are gone. The same Peter that denied him in front of all those people are, is now in prison for him because of the cross. I want you to see this. He all of a sudden was so unashamed of him that he not only, we talk about he stood up at the day of Pentecost and preached and people got saved. Yeah, that's great. But no, now he's so not ashamed. He's willing to lose his own life because they'd already cut off James' head. He knew he was going to die and he's sitting in prison chains just asleep. He understood the power of the cross. He understood. I thought about Mary Magdalene. Jesus is dead. And she's outside the tomb and she's weeping. I love loved this story. And Jesus walks up and says, why are you crying? And it says she didn't even know who he was. She thought he was the gardener. Now, I'll tell you something. In church... There's a lot of times that Jesus is in the house and the church doesn't even know that he's around. There's a good sermon right there. And she, he says, Who, what? She was like, have you not heard? They crucified the Savior 
of Israel. No, he's not the savior of Israel. He's the savior of the world. And I love this one verse. He looks at her and says, Mary. That's all he says. Mary. And it says she knew instantly it was Jesus. And to the point where he had to tell her, you can't touch me right now. I haven't gone to the Father. And there's some deep stuff that's going on right there. But she grabs him and begins to cry. Why? Because a lot of people are sitting in churches today that are like Mary. Your whole world is falling apart. You're smiling on the inside. You think everything's going well. We're so happy to see you and you're so blessed and you're smiling. But on the inside, your world has just come to shambles. She thought Jesus was going to take him, which he is, but she thought it was going to be one way. She lost everything in one night that she had, everything she hoped for. She completely broken, if you think about it. She was like, he, he just came riding in and they were singing Hosanna and he's going to be the king. And this is amazing. He saved me. She had seven devils and she was a prostitute and he cleansed her and made her righteous and she was following him and now he's gone. And what I love about that is, is after the cross, all it took was one word. When he calls your name, everything changes. I read that scripture and I got so excited. He just, all he had to say was, Mary. And soon as he heard that, she heard that everything was okay. When he calls our name, you ever been in that, that dark cloud where everything seemed to be going, but you just heard his name? Why did it work? Because he went to the cross for you to prove to you it is the power of God unto salvation, the mighty cross of Jesus Christ. So he can reach to us. Amen. I just thought about how many people today are feeling hopeless. It's so funny to me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this last scripture. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to close and read this. I didn't give you this scripture, so I'll just read it. There's so many people today that have so many ideas of church and they come to service on Easter. And I'm so thankful they came to service on Easter. And they have all these ideas what it's like. It's rules and it's you can't do this and you can't do that. You completely have misunderstood the cross of Jesus Christ. When you love him, you keep his commandments. His commandments are not grievous. When people say that it's hard to be a Christian, actually, it's hard to be a sinner. I've done both. If being a sinner was better, I'd be out there now. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's freedom. Now listen, don't you go by church people. Church people are trying to be like Jesus. They're not Jesus. My hope is not built on a church person. My hope is not built on even the way I act sometimes because I'm human too. My hope is built on the one that went to the cross for me that is real freedom from sin. I've had it before. I've had everything this world has to offer. There is nothing like him when he calls your name and he says your name and saves you from hell forever. He becomes your everything.
When he came out of that cross, we have now got a friend that sticks closer than a brother who's always with us. Listen, when they told me I had a tumor on my pancreas and fear was gripping my heart and guys at work were saying, how are you doing this? You've got a baby on the way. Are you not scared? And I said, when I was addicted to all the things this world had, I was alone. There were no such thing as good friends. There's no good friends. They're after what they want. I said, but when I called on him that night, I got a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but I also got one that never leaves me and never forsakes me. And every time at night, the enemy would tell me I was going to die and that this pancreas tumor is going to take me out. I had one that stood with me that every single day when nobody could stand with me, when no words would help me, he stood with me. He called my name. That's why we love him so much. He's always with us. He's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. That's our Jesus. I love it. I don't care what happens to me. They prayed over me before I went in for the procedure. And I'm telling you, it was the craziest peace I've ever had in my life. Because I was even ready. If I died right there on the table, I was going to forever be with the Lord. And it was a crazy, it was so weird of a peace that I even thought to myself, this is wild. I'm not scared of death. Because death died on that cross. We're alive. I was like, I'm going to be with the Lord forever. He decided to make it a nothing. The tumor had shrunk. Maybe some of you don't know, so don't think I'm dying of tumor. Don't it's a, it's Everything is fantastic. But I walked through that. But I didn't walk through it. He walked through it with me. Everything I had ever longed for. See, we have a great marriage, not because me and anyway. <laughs> but I don't expect her to be what can only satisfy me, who's Jesus Christ. Once I'm satisfied in him, I can no longer put expectations on her. She can't have to be anything but her now. There's a lot of marriages that would make it a lot better if they'd get Jesus involved in it. And they would quit expecting their spouse to give them what the love of God can give them. Yeah. Amen. Some of y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Get Jesus in your marriage. He wants you to have a happy marriage. Anyways, we have to get to that place that we say the cross is power again. We, we have to get to that place where we, listen, there's a coming a day, and I think it's already happened, and the world is saying to the church, put up or shut up. Either this is real, and what you're saying is really true, or this is some kind of dying, archaic, old religion that's just a bunch of seance. And it's, it's, no, no, because of that cross and because he went to that cross, we can demonstrate the power of God on a daily basis. Not only, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Come on, you can quote it. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I that live, but what? Christ that lives through me. And the life now I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. When the power of the cross is evident in our life and we're choosing to do the things that please the Lord and deny ourselves, that's when real power comes. Yeah. 
Now, if we're, if we're living just like everybody else is living, but we're naming the name of Jesus, of course the world's confused. Lukewarm lifestyle confuses everybody. Amen? I want to read you this one last scripture. Colossians 2. This is one of my favorite scriptures ever. And I didn't give it to you, JT. I'm sorry. It says, in you, verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has resurrected together with him, having forgiven you all sins. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and contrary to us. He took it all the way, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed authorities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them by the cross. What does that mean? It means that every ordinance against every sin that you had committed had a punishment. That's why I was talking to somebody the other day. There's this really big attack. I'm watching it. You can watch it. Preachers are writing books now talking about the Old Testament no longer applies to us. It's no longer relevant. One of the biggest pastors in Atlanta, Georgia, they're going to have probably 25,000 people today, just wrote a book saying the Old Testament has nothing to do with us today. And there's the problem. People are like, well, that's probably true. What do we know about goats and blood? And That's good stuff. We're under the new covenant with better promises. I totally believe that. But it says the law of the Lord is perfect in converting the soul. So now wait a minute. What does that mean? It means that those ordinances, if you just say the Old Testament doesn't matter, and you just say God is a God of grace, then you don't understand the love that he took on the cross. If you just discount that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then now you're saying, oh, he's just grace, and we just live in hyper grace, and we just flow around with grace, and we have a card to sin whenever we want to. When the Bible actually says, now that we're under grace and not the law, shall we continue in sin? God forbid that we continue in sin. But when you read the Old Testament, it converts your soul how perfectly because you read God demands a requirement for sin. That God is a God of justice. That God is a just God. He's a merciful God. But let me tell you something. If anybody in here had a family member that had ever been raped and they, the rapist comes before the judge and the judge says, oh, because I'm good and because I'm loving, I'm going to let the rapist go because I'm good. All of a sudden, we don't think that judge is so good. But it's funny how we do that with God, that we just think every sin, he just should just let go. No, no, no. God is just. God is a just God. And if there is no cross, there is no... We should feel that our sin has an ordinance of murder to us. We should die for our sin. When we say things in church so flippantly, oh, he took my place. You better understand what you're saying. There was a punishment demanded for sin. God is holy and God is pure. And yes, he is love. Oh man, I think we hear that so much that we need to hear it more for sure. But we need to understand there is a just God that sin demands punishment. 
But when you understand how it perfect, it, it's perfection, you understand he demands it. All of a sudden, you're so thankful that the price was paid on the cross. All of a sudden, it makes a lot more sense that I deserve hell and I should be in hell forever. And my sins really, truly should have cost me my life. But now I understand the cross of Jesus Christ. He took what we just read in Colossians 2, everything that was against me that said I should die and go to hell, he took it and nailed it to his very flesh on the cross. Now it means something. Now I understand the cross. Amen? Look at that. It's 20 minutes till 12. Some of y'all going to be so happy Easter. Everybody stand with me. Listen, don't take away from here, I don't believe in the love of God. I believe in his love. Don't, don't take away from me. Don't, don't take away from here that I'm not saying that we shouldn't preach his amazing grace. Oh, his grace is amazing. But if I don't understand the Old Testament, that God doesn't just wink at sin, that God can no longer see sin. We've almost got a culture going that you can just say grace and do whatever you want to. Jude says the grace of God is teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age. Grace is there to help us overcome. Listen, I say it all the time. I don't wake up every day and think, don't have adultery, commit adultery on my wife. You don't have to have that rule in place when there's love involved. When you love, you don't have to think about it. You don't do it because you love. It's the same way with God. People are like, there's all these rules. No, no, no. You're not falling in love with him because you're not understanding who he is and what he means to you. When you love him, you walk with him. You don't think about the do's and the don'ts of it. It just flows. It's a relationship. It's a true relationship. One of the one of the guys I love to read in 1400s wrote, the best thing he loves about God is every time he wakes up and he says, when I turn to you, you're already there waiting. It's a relationship. He went to the cross for us. Listen, you know why that I, this whole weekend, I didn't try to provoke anybody's emotions intentionally. You've already heard the stories about him being spit on and beat. I didn't want to stir your emotions this weekend. I want you to hear me and make a decision from your heart. Man, I could have read it to you and I could have had you in tears. And you could have been moved by this certain flow of emotion. And when you left, it means nothing. He went to the cross for us. Don't let anybody lie to you and tell you that it's a bunch of rules and it's hard. Look, don't look at anybody's life and say, well, they say they're a Christian and they act this way. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're not Jesus. We're striving to be Jesus. We're chasing after him. We're walking with him. He's developing us. If you're not saved today, this whole service is for you. We celebrate this whole week. I was talking with somebody the other night. They had no idea the reason we have Easter eggs and resurrection in the same weekend. 
They didn't understand what Constantine did with the calendar. And he put pagan days and Christian days together. And that's why you've got the, god, the goddess of fertility, hence the Easter bunny and the eggs. And they put it with Jesus and his resurrection. And, and you can get caught up into all this, why we shouldn't, why we shouldn't, and all this. Don't go there. I was trying to tell them, this is our date we've set aside to honor what Jesus Christ did on the cross. You can get tripped up in all that goofiness if you want to. That's fine. But this is what we've chosen as a nation this weekend to just take some time apart and say, we came to church to honor what our Jesus did for us. And we fully know and understand the power of the cross. Let me tell you something. When I got up from the altar that night at Farstill Church of God, December of 1999, I had been going to church drunk. I don't think I've ever shared this with people. Just keep remembering it was 99. <laughs> My dad made me go to church. So I would go drunk. And this youth pastor's wife saw me. She began to fast every Wednesday for me. And all of a sudden, I began to remember all those things I'd experienced as a kid. I could remember where he had called me to preach at a young age. I can remember where he filled me with his spirit. And all of a sudden, those things begin, I begin to see for the first time in years that they were bondages. That I was only doing those things to fill the gap that was inside me that only he could fill. I was doing everything. I was trying to find girls. I was trying to find drugs. I was trying to find everything. And I'll tell you something. That night, it was in December in 99, and I went to that altar. That guy died that night. I see friends of mine that knew me back in the party days, and they can't believe I'm a preacher. They can't believe what I am. It's because that guy died that night. The cross of Jesus Christ became alive in my life, and I died, and he came alive. That's the whole gospel message. So many people want to stay alive and then try to fix their self. We're not teaching some kind of doctrine of self-help. There's more leadership books on how to do this and how to do that and how to get this. Let me tell you, die. Get that cross alive. It's the power of God. Come to him and surrender your life to him. And when he comes back, I'm telling you, I got up and it felt like 500 pounds was off my chest. It felt like I could breathe again. I got in my car and the music that I was listening to driving in, it grieved me when I cranked my car because the guy that was listening to that music had been dead. There was a new guy sitting in that car. I wanted to hear music about Jesus. I wanted to be, I wanted teaching about him. Listen, two weeks ago, if you'd have told me that, I'd have told you you were crazy. I like to punch people in the mouth. I like to brawl. And all of a sudden, I, I went to a guy, I broke his nose the month before. It bothered me so bad. Listen, I'm telling, I'm not telling you this. I don't think I've ever shared this. You'll just have to judge me or whatever you want to do. I broke this guy's nose up in Jasper. And I got saved and I got so convicted that I hit somebody that I was weeping. God, how could I ever hit somebody that you love? He had changed my heart. God let me see him at a CVS. And when he walked out the door and I was walking towards him and he was backing up thinking I was coming for round two. And I grabbed him and I hugged him and I said, I'm so sorry. And he was like, whoa. 
what is this? I said, I'm so sorry. Jesus has saved me, man. I'm so sorry that I ever hit you. I'm so sorry that I ever caused you any problems. I'm so sorry. I love it. He gave me peace that I never had. I was always looking over my shoulder. He gave me love. Oh, it was so much better. Toddlers hit when they're provoked. He helped me become mature. I don't know who you are today, but I'm telling you, I would never share that publicly. I'd probably, when I teach young preachers, you should never talk about your past, but I felt the liberty to talk about it. Because when I felt in the cross of Jesus Christ that day, I was changed forever. Everything he took away. So I want everybody to bow your head.